0: Reading and writing are keys to your... This episode is sponsored
1: by ByHeart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about ByHeart baby formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk, and BiHeart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on BiHeart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. BiHeart is also the only US-made infant formula to use organic grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider BiHeart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply.
0: For son's academic success. Stay tuned for strategies and practical advice from our guest today this is the on boys parenting podcast we are your co hosts janet allison of boysalive.com and jennifer lw fink of buildingboys.net understanding the puzzle that may be your boy when it comes to reading or anything else We are Decoding Your Boys. In my monthly program, we meet live twice each month. You ask your questions. I coach you and answer, teach you about child development and the unique development of your boys. Join a global community of like-minded parents. Decoding your boy, less yelling, more connecting. That's what we want, isn't it? Just to stay connected to our boys. Go to boysalive.com slash decode, and I look forward to having you join us. And now, on boys. Reading and literacy skills are key components of your child's academic success, which means it is even more crucial to understand why, for decades, many boys have tended to lag behind girls, in their reading proficiency, then throw in a pandemic. And educators are already seeing that it has also had an effect on reading and literacy skills and not in a good way. Maybe you have a reluctant reader at your house and those 20 minutes of required reading as homework, even in first grade, just end in nightly tears. Or maybe you have a middle school boy who simply doesn't see the point. With master's degrees in childhood education and literary education and school administration, our guest, Todd Feltman, is currently a middle school literacy instructional coach. Welcome, Todd.
2: Thank you so much.
0: It's great to have you. I'm excited for this conversation. This has long been a topic of interest from my back in my teaching days, which was a long time ago.
1: Teaching first grade, no less. First grade, trying to convince first grade boys to read and help them
2: along.
0: Mm -hmm. So Todd, talk to us about reading in general. And, you know, we know that kindergartners and first graders are being required to read sooner. Is this really developmentally appropriate for young ones? And of course, we especially want to hear about how the boys are faring.
2: Okay, so first of all, good afternoon. I'm really delighted to be on this podcast with you. In terms of reading, especially with our boys, reading has to be taught in increments. Boys often come into the classroom, engage in social interactions and wanting to have fun and play and just get used to their new surroundings. So they shouldn't be forced to learn how to read. It should be a gradual process. They should begin with phonemic awareness where they manipulate sounds and then slowly get into phonics. They should be exposed to high content, high interest, culturally relevant books, fiction and nonfiction. And what's really important at kindergarten and first grade is to find out what the youngster's interests are and if teachers and families can choose books that interest them, this is gonna help build a love for pleasurable reading. In terms of um, middle school boys, also some of the similar same strategies, we need to begin to get to know our middle school boys as literate individuals. We need to find out what their lived experience in reading was. And we need Mm -hmm. to also find out what their interests are What kind of reading excites them? We have to remember that reading is multifaceted. It's not just reading a novel or a picture book, but reading is so much more. It can involve reading cookbooks. It can involve comic books, directions for a game, different speeches by certain people. So we need to understand that reading is multifaceted. And we need, as educators and parents, really to help find reading materials that will interest our boys and model what pleasurable reading looks like. So it's not just enough to figure out the interests of the boys and, and suggest books, but we also have to model what pleasurable reading looks like. Maybe it's sitting on the carpet, maybe it's sitting in, on, on the sofa, maybe it's reading in bed, but we have to always think of the environment too when we're getting young males, young adult males interested in reading.
1: I swear I am not just saying this because I am a nonfiction writer, but I love that you mentioned including and exposing boys to nonfiction, even at a young age. One of the things that I heard or read at some point, broad generalization, is that boys and men tend to gravitate towards nonfiction more than women and girls. And I'm a I'm a former girl. I'm a woman. I love fiction. I love reading fiction. I always have. My young boys, when we would go to the library, we have checked out every book on heavy equipment so many times, but that's what they were interested in. And so fine. I read the same book about bulldozers about 80 billion and one times.
0: And I think it's important to just, if you have a young child that the expectations of the educational system do not necessarily line up with your boy's development. Hmm. And so you as the parent have to kind of be a buffer.
2: What What do you think about that, Todd? I think that's really important. I think it connects to the home to school connection. I think as parents, we want to find out um, as much about our son or daughter's experience in the school day what goes on i think also building quality relationships with their teachers is so important and really listening to the teachers and hear what's working and hear what's not working but not only listening but then you as a family member have an opportunity to share out with the teacher and let them know what your son likes to read at home or what Your son likes to act out, or where your son likes to visit, and I think that's really important. And I think also, as as we began the discussion with, boys are expected to behave a certain way in school. And I'm all for being respectful and being kind. But some of the demands that are enforced on our boys at a young age are horrible. I mean, basically, to speak in plain English, they're expected to sit still. They're expected to keep their eyes constantly on the teacher. They're expected not to get distracted or, or daydream. And they just have a lot of demands on them. And I think that parents learn this and educators hopefully learn this, that just because a student is sitting still with their hands on their lap, doesn't mean they're soaking in the content, doesn't mean that they're getting a positive learning experience. It may mean that they're just being compliant or just don't wanna get in trouble by the teacher. So we have to we have to create a way that educators feel comfortable releasing the reins a little bit. Obviously, we don't want chaos in the classroom, but it's fine if students move around. It's fine if when boys are reading a book that they're standing up or even sitting in certain parts of the room. I don't recommend, I know some boys like to sit underneath the table and read. I don't quite recommend that just in case the table were to fall down, but we need to just be accommodating and understand gender-differentiated instruction, and really find ways to support our boys to the fullest degree. And parents need to understand if their boy is coming home saying, I hate school, too much work, boring, sometimes as parents, we may just take it in stride, but we really need to listen to our boys. And sometimes they're not going to tell us things right away, but if we get them outside or... And maybe yes. they're bouncing a basketball or running with you or playing tag or something. They will start to talk more because when they're engaged in physical activity, they tend to open up a little bit more in the world. And their brains are working when their bodies are working.
0: So they go hand in hand. And, and I know that parents used to tell me when their kids were little, their boys, and Jen, you've probably had this experience. Your boys don't want to sit on your lap And have you read to them when they're young?
1: This was something that I didn't know as a parent. I expected story time to be all we're cuddled up on the couch and we're reading. And I had kids who were hanging off the couch, playing with the matchbox cars over here. And so I stopped reading. I thought, well, they're not listening anyway. And the kid over on the floor playing with the matchbox cars is the one who called me out and was like, mom, why'd you stop? He was listening. He listened better when he had something to do with his hands. And it took me a while to learn that. He was always the first one. If I would stop to see, okay, are they still paying attention? Because I don't want to keep reading Harry Potter out loud if nobody's listening. But if I would stop, he knew exactly what was happening. He could catch up the plot the next day. And so I used this sometimes. And this is a tip I share with other parents You don't, reading doesn't have to be what you think it has to look like. It can be him playing Legos. I would sometimes sit on the edge of the sandbox while the kids were playing outside and read because they listened better. And frankly, reading aloud for me was more entertaining than trying to figure out what to do with the dump truck in the sand.
2: (laughs) I love I love just what you shared. It's it's so um meaningful and it connects um one of the students I found out about at one of my middle schools is when the teacher is reading out loud the teacher doesn't think he's following along but what he's doing is he's acting it out as as the teacher's reading. He's using hand gestures and movements and so he is understanding it and this just works for him because I assume I haven't met this child yet, but I would like to meet him. He's a kinesthetic learner. And this what's this works for him? And she was ready like to, to um reprimand him for this. But in turn, he's really processing. So we really need to look at our young adult males when they're in the ELA classroom and in the social studies classroom and in the science classroom and really see how they're processing learning and really get to know them as individuals and find out what works for them as as a reader. Because as you said, reading doesn't look the same for everybody. And a child could be holding a matchbox car. A child could be um, holding some Oobleck or slime while you read. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't doesn't defeat the purpose. He could be paying the the most attention.
1: Let me ask you a question. What role, if any, can audiobooks or you know podcasts that are storytelling uh play in this building up of boys literacy skills
2: so audiobooks and podcasts are wonderful because it gives young young males a chance to visualize mm. it also helps them with their fluency especially if there's a great reader maybe an actor or an actress reading it also gives them an opportunity to be comfortable and not be holding a book. Maybe he he's holding, as I mentioned earlier, maybe a matchbox car or some oobleck or a ball, and it's building their listening comprehension too. And reading isn't just reading a book. And it also is an an opportunity for them to do more reading because maybe they're on the subway or the bus to school and maybe they're excited to listen. And if educators can incorporate this more into the classrooms too, I think we would have happier and more literate boys.
1: One of my sons uh, used audiobooks a lot when he was kind of at that first grade age, Janet, where his reading level, what he could decode on his own was very simplistic and he preferred more complex stories, but he wasn't yet, he couldn't read those himself. So he would listen to audiobooks because that kept his his mind engaged and the storytelling engaged. And I realized that in doing that, he's learning things about sentence structure. He's learning vocabulary. He's learning character development. He's learning all these skills that eventually come to play in both reading and writing. Correct, Todd?
2: Yes. Yeah, what you mentioned is so true. Their listening and comprehension is increasing, but then As you mentioned, they're using learning sentence structure, and this can really help them when they're writing. So we have to remember that reading and writing are connected, and weak readers tend to be weak writers. So if this listening comprehension aspect of them listening to podcasts and audiobooks can help them in that venue, that would be wonderful. And what's also helpful, too, is young males can decide how much of the podcast or how much of the audio book they're gonna listen to and it's setting a goal. So maybe they they wanna listen to 20 minutes a day. And then if they get really excited, they become hooked on the podcast or the audio book and then they wanna do it more. And that's what we want. We want want our young males to really love reading. And as we mentioned, reading is multifaceted Mm -hmm. and we just want them to find a way to make it pleasurable and for them to look forward to a book and be able to share a podcast or an audio book or a chapter book or a novel or a nonfiction book with their friends and discuss it. Nothing better than book clubs where young adult males are involved. Like I remember when I was teaching middle school, I had a book club set up on the last period on a Thursday and I was originally dreading it because I thought, the long day, the students, the boys are going to be checked out. But I found this great book um, called Secret Saturdays by Tori Maldonado. And mm. I've read, I read all of his books. And each Thursday, we'd spend a period reading a chapter. And then I would post questions. The students would post questions. They got into discussions. And then as a culminating project, which was really wonderful, is I was able to bring in Tori Maldonado. Oh wow! Yeah, the students had a chance to interview him and meet him, and they got they got his book signed. So, just going back to the theme of like helping excite get boys excited about reading. Let's invite authors into our classrooms. Mm -hmm. Parents, let's find out if an author is speaking at a bookstore or library. Let's bring them in. As we know, the new. Diary of the Wimpy Kid book came out on Tuesday and I have all the books and I have my copy and I I was just talking to one of the middle schoolers yesterday about reading and he said he can't wait to get it and Jeff Kinney's been so successful with young males, adults, females because he just writes in such a captivating way. He has the illustrations, the sketches, the text. It's really fun and it's written in it. The font that he uses is young male adult friendly and very engaging.
1: Confessions of a Middle-Aged Adult Female. I love the Diary of a Wimpy Kid books. And I'm a little sad because my youngest is now 16. So he has aged past it, which means he's not coming home with the latest copy. So I'm going to have to go out and buy it myself, Todd.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, please do. I can't wait to read it. Tomorrow I will begin it. That's great. That's great. I'm glad you
0: brought in writing because what I learned as I was teaching was that writing for boys is so stressful for many boys, not all boys, but just that blank piece of paper write about your summer vacation or whatever prompt it it is is Really hard for many boys. I think part of it is because they can't picture it.
1: I think it's even more than that. I mean, I found early on the physical act of writing that too for young boys is challenging. And mm-hmm. so then it becomes this obstacle between them and their thoughts. Is that something that you have seen or learned about, Todd? Yes. style slash on boys. That's armoire.style, A R M O I R E, dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing For way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is. Deal with it.
0: Mm -hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke,
1: Janet. Cruel joke
2: So I'm very focused about getting boys excited and passionate about writing. And one of the strategies that families and educators can use is letting the young adults draw their ideas first. So let them have a piece of paper and let them sketch out their ideas for five to seven minutes. It's not a long, drawn-out activity. And then what they do is then they use the sketch to help guide their writing. That's step one. There's also a step two. Discussion needs to be built in. So as you mentioned about writing about the summer vacation, um, young adult males need an opportunity to discuss it before they write. So Mm -hmm. they do their sketch and then they can use their sketch to guide their discussion. And as they're getting out their words orally, they're preparing themselves to write. And then they're listening to their classmates and learning from each other. So writing becomes less daunting if they draw out their ideas first and then they they talk their ideas. Mm -hmm. The other helpful strategy, which can help boys, oftentimes boys have sloppy handwriting and that may interfere with them being clear about their content and all that. So I highly recommend that boys and girls, but boys especially skip lines when they write because that way it's easier for them to read it back. It's easier if they engage in peer editing with a classmate for the classmate to read it and also easier for the teacher to read it. And as a youngster, I had sloppy handwriting and I learned to skip lines and it really, really helped me significantly.
1: The other thing that I did and I don't know if this will work for everybody, but when I saw that my son was struggling between his thoughts and what he could physically produce on a piece of paper, I used to, uh, it was like taking dictation. I would let him talk and say what he wanted to write, and I transcribed it for him. Now we have voice to text, so this is infinitely easier. I mean, a kid can talk it into you know the phone or the computer, and it can do it for them certainly you want them to learn how to write independently as well. But it was sort of a bridge the gap process between when he didn't yet have the physical capability to keep up with what his brain was saying. And he didn't have the spelling and he got frustrated with that. And again, he was able to work on sentence structure, paragraphs, and storytelling skills without being too hung up on the mechanics. So mm-hmm. it's like you said incremental before. It is such an incremental process, learning to
2: read and learning to write. I agree with that strategy. I think that's really beneficial because it relates to the gradual release of responsibility. So yeah. your son is able to feel comfortable that he's speaking his his words out loud. He's speaking his thoughts. And then he has an opportunity to see what, you transcribed. And as you said, see the sentence structure. And then he in turn can, maybe after a little stretching break, he can in turn copy it. So this is really important. This educator should definitely consider this with students who may benefit from this. And by you taking that extra step, Jennifer, as a mom, you're helping him find writing pleasurable than where he might be struggling to write everything and then he becomes checked out saying this is hard I don't want to do this and becomes frustrated but you taught him a strategy that he in turn can ask his teacher to help him with and Mm. he in turn becomes successful and happier instead of checked out and just writing is so difficult.
0: And it's important too to recognize that boys many boys tend to write about action rather than relationships. So of course we want, and we want our girls who write about relationships to be able to write about action. We want to be able to expand their typical approach to be more relational, to bring in the emotional components, to bring in sensory detail, which goes back to that drawing. And the conversation mm. you can have around that drawing. Well, what was the weather that day? Or how do you think that person was feeling rather than this happened, then this happened, then this happened? And you're helping them build their full range of
2: writing. Yes, and I, I'm in full, full agreement with that. We want to expose our young adult males as well as our young adult females to all types of writing in terms of narrative, informational and argumentative opinion writing. And one of the ways we can do this, and I connect thoroughly with what you said, is we can do monthly read-alouds where one month is a male protagonist and one month is a female protagonist. And that way students are getting exposed to both genders. And now bringing back to your comment about writing, we wanna teach our students about how to incorporate relationships and especially our young adult males So one thing that's really useful um, is the mood meter that um, Mark Brackett set up at Yale University, part of the RULER program. And that has an opportunity where students, both young adult males and young adult females, have a chance to state how they're feeling in a particular moment and explain Mm -hmm. why. And so that way, it'll give young adult males an opportunity to really think about how to express their feelings. Um, And I think... Going back to what you said, Janet, is just exposing our students. I know oftentimes young adult males write about action and young adult females write about relationships, but teaching them about both. And that's why I was mentioning about um, a certain book of the month, a read aloud chapter book, or it could be a picture book. And really choosing these books authentically because oftentimes book boys will say, either I want to read nonfiction Mm -hmm. as we discussed in the beginning, or I just want to read a book with a male lead character. But there's plenty of books with female, exciting female lead characters. And it's important they have exposure to both. And getting back again to what you said, Janet, is as you're doing the read aloud and and you're modeling like what action writing looks like, and what relationship-based writing looks like. And you're giving students a chance to practice so then in turn they can do this work independently. Talk to us
0: specifically about middle school boys. You work with middle school boys. Thinking about maybe your toughest case that you've had, that you've had to bring bring
2: literacy to him, and hopefully it became your success story. So- I've been, um, I've worked with a lot of middle school boys, and when I go into the, um, an ELA classroom or a social studies classroom, I'm very interested to see the middle school young adult males who seem to be checked out in the class, who seem Uh to be distracted, and I go over and I'll talk to them about what's going on, asking them how their day is going, finding out like what their favorite subject is, but I won't do it in an annoying way. I'll do it in a conversational way, but getting back. To your question, um, I remember one particular young adult male that I I worked with um, several years ago. He did not like reading and he did not like writing. So every time the teacher would do reading and writing, he would be basically checked out. He'd be complaining. His head would be down. He would be talking to his classmates. And at the time, I was working as a journalism specialty teacher, so I would push into the classroom and and teach a lesson for a period to engage the students. And he just didn't like books. And I remember I had read this Caldecott medal winning book called The Adventures of um, Hugo Cabaret. And it was a wonderful, it was really a big book. But I just felt like he would resonate with this book, that he would like it. So is was this like 700-page book, and I thought there's no way he's going to read this. And when I handed it to him, he was like looking at me like I was crazy. But then I explained to him that about two-thirds of the book is illustrations. It was a graphic novel, okay. And I really wanted him to delve into this book and give it a chance. So with some gentle persuading and some coaching, he got into that reading that book. And then as a result, it wasn't perfect, but he was more interested in reading. And what I would do is I would recommend young adult, culturally responsive, boy-friendly novels or chapter books that he would be interested in. And he, being a leader in the class in different aspects, he was able to get more young adult males Ah. interested in reading. He would share the ideas. So... The big message that I'm giving here from my experience is as educators, we know we are so busy. There's so much to do, but we have to go that added step and really learn about the current young adult literature that's out there and boy friendly literature and find ways to get these books into our classrooms, whether it's through Donors Choose, which um, funds projects or other organizations, and recommend books, maybe like three to five books a week you recommend and you read a couple pages to the students and you help them become interested. Because oftentimes in classrooms, you just read this, read that, read this, but it's not taking a look at the whole child and what this the student brings. A lot of our students come into the classroom with a lot of knowledge.
1: Yes. And it's our
2: job as educators to unpack. Each of these students have a talent, maybe cooking, it could be um, weightlifting, it could be hockey, it could be dancing, it could be whatever. Our job as educators is to help them unpack it and really help them belong in the classroom. Too often our young adult males don't feel like they belong. I was just speaking to a principal today and she was saying that four young adult males are failing ELA and it's not even the end of the marking period. Yeah. And that's a whole nother subject for a different podcast, how we can help our boys become powerful navigators of school success.
1: Do you have some suggestions for parents or educators who are listening for this and they are not literacy specialists, but they want some help finding some boy-friendly literature and resources? Do you have anywhere online or some books or something you can recommend to help people find texts that boys may be interested in?
2: OK, so one, um, one suggestion is they can go to the website, guysread.com. It's a wonderful website that was started by John Skezia. Um, And so he has recommendations for young boys, middle boys, and older boys, and really wonderful suggestions. Also, they should check out the public libraries. Most of the libraries have lists of culturally responsive books, and they can ask the librarian for um, recommendations for um, boy-friendly books. They can also go to bookstores just to check out books and see what kind of boy-friendly books there are out there. Check out The Diary of the Wimpy Kid. Um, (laughs) Those those are really engaging books. Also, James Patterson has some wonderful young young adult books. I recently also, and a lot of boys are into these books, the books by R.J. Palacio. Um, Wonder um, is a Mm. wonderful book. She also wrote a graphic novel about the Holocaust. I believe it's called White Bird. Um, I just read one of her recent novels called Pony, which talks about a young adult male um, being separated from his father. And he, he rides his horse and he learns how to survive and he meets different male mentors along the way. So it's really about checking out these websites. Hopefully schools will hold events where they promote reading sometimes at the scholastic book fairs students can get books that interest them but it's really just about seeking out literacy resources hopefully parents can seek out other parents mm-hmm. i'm passionate about finding young adult male appealing books that um students would like to read and i like recommending them mm-hmm. So I want to kind of bring it into
0: the home and busy parents, so busy, and these are all great suggestions. And yes, public library, it's a great place to go. And I encourage our listeners to really look at how you as the adult are modeling reading. And sometimes, especially with younger boys, it might be that you have to tell them, Oh, I'm reading this recipe to find out about this, you know, how to make pasta. Oh, well, that interested me, and I'm going to learn how to make that into whatever. Tell your boys how you are reading, where you are reading. I mean, I think all of us, given our age range here, we grew up reading the back of the cereal box, right? That was, you know, every morning, back of the cereal box. And look at where your boys are seeing men read. Where is dad? How how does dad read? Does dad ever sit down with a magazine or a book? I'm thinking about LeVar Burton of Reading Rainbow. That was on when my kids were young. I mean, what a great, great role model for kids about an adult male who loves literature. So look up it's reading Rainbow, but now he has a podcast. I know he's got one or at least had one where like he reads stories to adults. He does. He does. Yeah. We have to model this for our kids. It doesn't just happen naturally.
2: We have to model it. We're all very busy. And I agree with everything you said, like just talking about how as a parent, I do reading every day. It may not be sitting and reading a book. But as you mentioned, it might be reading a recipe. It might be reading directions, how to make something. But I think ideally, parents should carve out at least 20 to 30 minutes a day where everybody sits down and reads, where it's a time that it's quiet. And you could be reading something for work. You could be reading your mail. Students, um, young young males and young females could be reading a comic book, they could be reading a novel or chapter book, but that time is critically important where everybody just stops and reads. And mm-hmm. I think that's really important. I think also parents sharing about their child experience, childhood experiences with reading, what mm. they like to read, how they were as a reader, same with teachers too. They should share their timeline of what they were like as a reader what did they like to read what was it like for them to be in a classroom but just getting back full circle janet is that and jennifer that we need to just really model what reading looks like and what it could look like and we just have to do it when we're calm when we're not running from here there and everywhere and just really set up that time where everybody just sits and reads and then Maybe at the end, everybody can just share something that interests them yeah. when they read. And it's expanding my, the knowledge.
1: One of my brothers started doing this, but as his daughter was learning to read, he realized, well, if I want her to read, uh, I guess I should do the same. So he has been reading more in recent years, which is a lot of fun for me because now we can discuss books that we're both reading. And he, listeners, has also learned. That because this has become a ritual, a norm, and an expectation in their house, it's also a really nice break for him. Because let's face it, dealing with kids can be exhausting. And so when they have reading time, Lily, his daughter, knows that he's reading his book right now. And she Mm -hmm. should be reading hers. And so it's that little bit of mental time where you can retreat into your own little world and you're doing a great thing for your kid without having to actually deal directly with the kid.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I-, I love that. It's a special time where everybody is just calm. There could be some music on in the background and everybody's just engaged in whatever they're reading. And it's something that's routine. So it's a nice closure to the day. It it hopefully sets everybody in a, a cheerful and peaceful mood before they go to sleep at night. Mm
1: -hmm. The other thing that you can sometimes do, especially with kids who like to push boundaries is okay. Bedtime is whatever time lights off is whatever time, but you can give them a flashlight. And if you want to keep reading while you're in bed after lights out, that's fine. Like that's the one allowed thing. And that sometimes works with kids. Mm -hmm.
2: That's a great point. That reminds me of the fact, the time when the Harry Potter books started coming out and I'm a big Harry Potter fan and you'd see these reluctant readers carrying these 500 page books and staying up in all hours of the night with their flashlights and I think I'm so glad you mentioned flashlights Jennifer because it's such a fun thing to be a young adult male and be reading with a flashlight maybe you even have a friend over and you're reading together and it's just like it's so cool
0: yeah I was teaching when the first Harry Potter book came out and there would be these first graders who you know cannot read, but they're carrying around that book because it was cool to carry around that book. I will plug in here that the podcast LeVar Burton Reads is the name of the podcast. So it's Thank a, you. yeah, Thank you. it's an opportunity as you were talking to Todd, I was thinking about The This was a little before my time, but when the family used to gather around the radio and listen to the stories that were on the radio, and that was their family time to be together, and then they could talk about what was going on. And two, as we said, listening requires you to imagine it, requires you to make your own picture in your brain, which we want our kids to be able to do if we want them to build their imagination.
1: I used to do this when we were camping, Janet, and it started very organically, right? Like I would read to the kids before bed, just because that's what we did. And the older boys had progressed to the point where it was a chapter book. And we were sort of, you know, in the middle of the book and we went camping. So I took it along and I would read it either around the campfire or in the tent, sometimes both by flashlight. And the kids got consistently older as they do. And they were, I mean teenagers nathan might have been pushing 20 already at this point we're camping somewhere and um they're like well did you bring a book no i i didn't bring one i didn't know that you still wanted me to do this
2: (laughs) that's so such a great memory that's fantastic It (laughs) continued
1: for such a long time and there was one night where we had read around the campfire and then me and the youngest three boys were in a tent and the oldest had his own because you know he was that age and uh so i would. The younger three wanted me to keep reading, and I did. And then I hear Nathan from the other tent. Can you read a little louder? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's
0: so wonderful. So there's there's so many ways to turn your kids onto reading and and writing. Hopefully, will naturally follow. Todd, I know you've written some books. Will you tell our listeners about your books?
2: So my latest book is called Mentoring My Elementary and Middle School students to become powerful navigators of school success. It's an interactive handbook that has 110 strategies that begin in the morning until night. And these strategies will help students take charge of their education and be the best they can be.
0: And I'm assuming that's available anywhere books are sold?
2: Yes, anywhere books okay. are sold. Great. And you can find out more about me at my website at. T O D D F E L T M A N dot com, Todd Feltman dot com. You can
1: check out our show notes on Boys Podcast. I will have links there for you. Click over, see what Todd has done. You gave us so many great ideas and book recommendations today. I'm eager to check out some of these books.
2: Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Todd, for sharing your wisdom. And uh, I just, I'm thinking about you and how many middle school boys you're affecting and bringing into this great world of reading that we all love.
2: Thank you so much, Janet and Jennifer. And congratulations on your latest book. I can't wait to read it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. April, 2023, Building Boys book will be out.
2: I am so excited.
1: Thank you. Awesome. Thanks,
0: Todd, for being with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and found value in it. And hopefully you can engage your son in a little more reading and taking joy in that and reminding you too, hey, grab a cup of tea and sit and read a book. It's always a good thing. We are the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co hosts Janet Allison of boysalive.com and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. And remember, decoding your boys, understanding him in a new way with a global community of like-minded parents. We meet live twice each month. Go to boysalive.com decode for all the information. Thank you.